Everybody doing good? Praise the Lord. Well, again, my name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, and I'm so glad that uh, you could be at Connect this morning. I just want to, I want to talk to my church for just a few minutes, uh, kind of some, some uh, updates and some information that's kind of to the family. <clears throat> we, I have terms I use, and these, I'm, I don't mean to be offensive, but we have family, frequent flyers, and we have the fringe. So there's just some people that are just kind of checking it out, and that's all cool. And, and then there's the frequent flyers who probably would call this their home church. They just haven't kind of crossed the line in a more committed thing. But there's family that have been very committed to connect and uh, very grateful for uh, my spiritual family. I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for the spiritual family that are here, and many of you would probably say the same thing. Um, what I want to do is I want to look back, and over the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to unpack a little bit each Sunday for about, you know, four weeks or four different Sundays, uh, culminating at the end of the month. But um, a year ago now, we embarked on a journey as a church, a spiritual journey. Uh, we called it Connect the Dots, and it was basically, the motto was greater vision, greater reach. We believe that with growth, uh, numerical, financial, people, uh, just the spiritual health of our church, that with greater, that with that comes greater vision, and with that greater vision comes the uh, the, the opportunity or possibility of greater reach. And so, last year about this time, I came before the church and I presented kind of uh, an an idea that God had given me, and He kind of showed me like two steps, and I I referred to them as kind of dots, like a path. And uh, I'm going to just show you a video in just a second, but basically. Um, the, the first thought was that we were going to make some changes around here, as my, as my friends sometimes say, just uh, some physical changes to um, our home base, kind of our home church here, and improve the facility in order for us to be able to reach our full potential. Now, some people, I like to give why behind what sometimes, because <clears throat> sometimes you look at the what, but you don't really connect with the why, and, and, and it, it, it can de-emphasize and sometimes demotivate. So why we needed to do it is because our church is named Connect, amen? amen? And so we're all about faith and family and friends, and yet the physicality of this uh, building was some, in some cases restricting the ability for people to connect. And so we weren't able to really fulfill our purpose to its full potential. And so we had very constricted areas, very, instead of being able to go through kind of aisles, <clears throat> we had capillary veins. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Like people just, you had to kind of get in and get out. And so we've tried to create some space within the existing footprint of our, of our facility without creating any new construction, which can be very, very costly. And we have completely renovated this entire building. And so I just want to show you a little bit real quick. This is just some stuff that we can put together real fast, maybe a little more as we come forward, of what happened uh, a year ago uh, to, to today. Can you just play and roll that video? It'd be great. You know, when I was a young boy, about 15 years old, I used to dream about church. I wanted to uh, reach and preach to thousands of people. It sounds a little crazy. As I got a little bit older, I got a little discouraged because I didn't see that kind of stuff happening at church. I didn't, I didn't see us reaching, you know, our neighborhoods. I didn't see, just see us reaching our communities, the marketplace. But the honest truth is, that's changed now. I'm seeing that happen at Connect. I see us reaching people that were unreached and unchurched. I see us reaching people that were disconnected and, and disenfranchised and discouraged about religion. 
Now we're at a place where we're reaching hundreds of people for Christ. And people are coming into relationship and coming into community and the course and trajectory of their life is being changed because they found friends and they found a family and they found faith. And that's because of you. And when I was a little younger in ministry, I could only see like this path behind me just so much. But as we got a little bit higher on the hill, got a little bit over the horizon, I could see a lot more. And we're at a place in the journey of Connect, kind of a new chapter where God wants to birth a little bit more in our vision. He wants to see this thing reproduced over and over and over again. And so what we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to improve the social space of our church so we can fulfill the full impact and potential of our vision can be reached. In order for that to happen, we've got to make some improvements right here at home base. But when that's done, we're getting ready to do something even bigger than that. We're getting ready to multiply. We're getting ready to start a multi-site church and other locations, and we're getting ready to start one right around the corner. And I'm so excited, I hope you are too. We, we serve an amazing God, and we know that God has the best for us. It's a family reunion. You know, come on in, uh, you know, we missed you. <laughs> you know, how you been? I don't think I would have really made the progress that I did if I wasn't a part of that small fellowship. So many people have taken time to just pour into me and invest in me, and it's been so huge in helping me to become the man that I am becoming. The word that's brought on Sunday teaches um, true to life. Like I, We've always found that there's been things that speak directly to us. It's just really turned all of our worlds around. Pretty exciting. I can't even express how much has happened in the last year, just a year. Um, kind of what I was thinking was, if we could do that in a year, what could we do in the next year? Let me, maybe that needs to sink in. If we could do that in a year, what could happen this next year? Of growth and things that are happening, God always provides greater vision. And then with greater vision, then what accompanies that is greater reach. We're trying to actually replicate what God has done here in other locations. But what's happening here in this last year has blown my mind. Looking at the different environments and how they are uh, stewarded, how they are utilized. This building is uh, optimized every single day. Literally, there's activity here every single day. If you drive by Connect versus another church, and I'm not trying to say we're better, but I do think we are better. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But there's just, there's just stuff happening all the time. Can I be honest? <laughs> there's just hap happening here all the time. And I love that. And that's how it's supposed to be. Instead of just having empty space and nothing happening in it, we have maximized space. Just the lower auditorium, for example. I didn't say this in the first service. But the lower auditorium uh, was really used for really one purpose, maybe two. We had it for kids' church on Sundays and growth track at night. Uh, but now it's, it's almost used every single day. Um, Literally hundreds of people are in the lower auditorium every single week between the 508 service, the Activate services, you know, uh, uh, growth track, uh, bigs, small groups, uh, even staff, things that happen. We've had many events in and out of there already. Uh, so you saw a picture of just that room. It's actually probably one of the favorite rooms in the whole, in the whole church right now. It used, to be, we used to, it used to look like a crime scene. If you looked at the carpets... <laughs> Looked like a crime scene at one time, and it was just nobody liked it. Now everybody loves it. 
You know, we didn't have a space where people could congregate. It's not about getting coffee. That people just say, well, we did all that just so we can have a place to have coffee. There's a why behind the what. It's so that people can connect. Some of the most effective ministry is not happening right now when I'm talking to hundreds of people. It's happening when people are talking to each other between services, in the in-between space. So that space was a missing component of our church. We needed social space to move people from public space to, let's just say, um, private and personal space where real ministry takes place. Can I have more words that go together? You have to have social space. There has to be places where people can kind of connect and get to know each other. Connect didn't really have enough of that. And now we do in just one year. And I want to say thank you to all of you that made that possible. There are many people in this room who sacrificed greatly for what has happened to happen. And I believe with all my heart you would say and be willing to testify to how blessed you are because you got to participate in that. You didn't look back and just say, oh man, that really bit. You really think, no, that was awesome. It's a privilege and honor to be able to see that whole thing unfold. What I'd like to do is just basically say two things. One, I promise, I commit to never ask anything from you, but I will ask you to ask God. I will present vision, and then I'll ask you to talk to God about it. That's it. And so what I'm, what I'm doing now is I'm recasting vision that was cast last year where we um, made changes here, but as we go forward, we're going to want to start new campuses. So what we believe is that our church is called to be one church, many locations, where we're going to kind of bring some of this DNA, some of this culture, some of this community to locations that are strategically placed within our sphere of influence. We had an idea. We have an idea where we thought that could be, where, where it might be our next step. We're not absolutely certain about that. We're praying about that. We're processing that and pursuing that vehemently now because dot one, for the most part, the physicality of it, maybe not the finances of it, is behind us. And so it's exciting to be able to look ahead and look back. Amen. So in the next few weeks, what I'm going to do in the front end of each service is I'm going to give you just a little bit more information. Today was kind of look back, look what, look what happened physically. Next week, I want you to be able to see what happened financially, just kind of let you know where we're at. Some of you um, are very interested in that. Some of you would just kind of just get to peek in on all that. Some of you might want to even eventually participate in that. The third week, I'm going to show you some of the, not just the financial resources, the FR, but some of the HR, some of the human. Where are we at as a church in terms of our um, dream team, where are we at in terms of our physical health? Because here's a commitment that, that I also want to make is, God gave me a vision for our church, I communicate that vision. The pace or speed at which we accomplish that, most of that is up to God, but we do play a role in the, in the speed or the pace at which we accomplish that. We have a part to play in that whole thing. And, and so what I, what I want to say is that we're never going to go faster we're never going to let vision outpace financial resources and human resources. So I'm going to give you an update so you can kind of see where we're at because I believe we're becoming, let's just say, more robust with more leadership. That means there's more reach. There's more potential to whom much is given, much is required, if that makes sense. And I don't want to just get fat as a church. I want to stay healthy and whole. And so God's called us to do more because he's given us more. Does that make sense? And so, that, so we'll talk about that in the third week. And then the fourth week, we're going to have a celebration. We call it halftime. It'll be the halftime point of Connect the Dots, where it's a two-year campaign. So many people brought a sacrificial gift, a financial gift, a year ago, and 
or uh, they either brought a financial gift and they might have also brought a pledge. Many people pledged over a two-year period to pay for all the things and all the changes that you see. We're at that halfway point. And so I'm going to give you an update of where we're at. It's actually better than anticipated, much better than anticipated. Um, but I want to invite people who are new to Connect um, to participate. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in Connect the Dots as we go forward, looking back at what we've accomplished and finishing that off, but also in particular, looking ahead as we begin to um, approach Dot 2, which is going to be the launching of a new campus. Isn't that exciting? And so I hope I've been clear. You'll hear a little bit about that each week, more detail each week, and that's it in a nutshell. I just wanted to kind of get that out on the table for you guys as, as, a, as a church. Amen? Amen? Let's get into our message today. Can we do that? Let's look at um, this series today through kind of uh, um, the lens of athletics. Uh, I thought those video announcements were fantastic. Great job, everybody, on that. I love that. Our dream team's just doing so good and so creative. But, you know, how many excited Patriots playing today? Anybody out there excited about that, right? So we got, I think it's Denver and, and New England and a 6-1, and 6-2 collision getting ready to come. People go crazy about the Patriots. I'm so grateful it's not at 1 o'clock today. It's at, you know, whatever, 4.30 or something like that. But fans, fans of sports are crazy, aren't they? Yes. I mean, and we, in New England, we have some crazy fans. In fact, I want to show you some of the crazy fans that we have. So let's just look at snowball fights. That's just around the corner, right? We're just throwing snow. That's a New England game. Look at this next guy. We probably shouldn't have shown this. It's kind of gross. This is a very committed fan. Okay. Oh, my gosh. All right. I like the brawn of this guy. He's pretty committed. All right. Not necessarily a Vikings fan. Okay. Hockey puck to head. Okay. He's really into that. All right. Okay, then. Okay, then. Some of our fans that we see on a regular basis are Now, here's a committed New England fan, right? Right in the middle of the snow, shirtless. You know, we've seen some committed, we've seen some committed slash crazy fans in our life, haven't we, when it comes to sports? I actually um, remember a story about a New England Patriots fan. He was enjoying himself uh, at a football game at Gillette Stadium, and then he looks down into the kind of the lower sections, and he sees an open seat, and he's like, going to go scam the seat. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You all have done that at some point or another. You're like, maybe we can get a better seat. And so he goes down, he's trying to get a better seat, and um, comes up to this guy, and, and, and he went down, he asked the guy, you know, if he, he, he knew whose seat this was, because he sees this open seat, and the guy's like, well, yeah, that's my wife's seat. And um, we've never missed a game, he said, in over 20 years, but now my wife has gone home to be with the Lord, she's in heaven. And so the guy was, you know, kind of sad, and he offered his sympathies, and he thought, you know, it's, you know, it's really sad that, you know, you come to a game, and, and uh, you couldn't find another relative or somebody else, you know, a friend or a close loved one or something like that to, to come to the game with you, sir? And he's like, oh, no, oh, no, you don't understand. They're all at the funeral. <laughs> and so this is where you get the da dun dun This is where you get the idea of a die-hard Fan, right? That's where that whole thing comes from. So there's some crazy fans out there, right? You guys are like, that was, whoa. Uh, so the, the idea is that we want to move from being fans who take the game seriously to players who take, and I don't mean player, I mean players who take the game seriously. That's what God's looking for. And so game day is really any day that we love others the way Christ intended, that we kind of surrender a little bit of ourselves to someone else. And, and really a win in, on a game is when someone feels God, like, you know, they feel that connection. 
And really, you don't feel connected, by the way, if you're not part of a team. So another way that we, we get a win is when we're connected to a team. And another way we get a win is when, we're, when we find a role, we find a position, we find kind of a, a lane to run in. And so game day is kind of surrendering a part of who I am. And, and Christ actually models this for us kind of as the team captain in John chapter 13. There's this incredible experience where Jesus kind of, uh, he, gets, he gets kind of down on his on his knees, and he, he takes off his robe, and it's really symbolic of just, you know, the, this, this servant attitude, and really the, it's, there's another scripture in Philippians 2, it's, it's kind of, it's a big word, but it's known as the kenosis experience, it's just where, where Jesus came from heaven to earth, and, and he divested himself of all his divine privileges and rights, and, you know, and just became like us. And, and he preferred us to himself. And, and in John 13, you see this where before he even gave his life, he physically, through death, he gave his life, you know, in, in, in service to his disciples. And he basically says this. He says, now that I, the Lord, your, not your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Everybody say, my feet? I think it's symbolic, you know, of the mess that we're in and the situation that people are in. It's you know, feet kind of the, the bottom of kind of the pit of our lives, and, and yet Jesus washed their feet, and, and he's saying, uh, now, I, now you should wash one another's feet, and he goes on to say, I've set an example, a path, you know, that you should do as I have done for you. Now, one of the most used metaphors in scriptures a lot of times that you see different, you know, ways that it manifests is that of an athletic event. You see, think, you see the Bible talk about games and, and races and, and physical contests and terms like training and things like that are mentioned. And, and we live in this game-crazy culture, this sport and athletic culture as well. And so the word game is the word that I want to kind of unpack as we go forward in this series. So the series is going to be broken down into kind of four messages revolving around the word game. So the first message is going to be uh, G for generosity. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about generosity and what it means to kind of, you know, uh, to be a giver. It's there. It's everywhere all throughout the Bible. Next week, we're going to talk about attitude. Everybody say attitude. Turn to your neighbor say, check your tude. <laughs> check your tude. You got a satitude, a matitude. You know, what's your attitude? Um, so we're going to talk about attitude. That'll be a good one for all of us. And um, then we're going to talk about M. M stands for ministry. What's my ministry? What's my role? What's my lane? What's my position on God's team? And then E stands for eternity. This will be one of my favorites, and this will be at halftime service. How do we, how do we live our life in this temporal world with one eye on eternity? How do we do that? And throughout this series, we'll be asking, you know, over and over again to kind of move from the stands to the field. Just seeing the symbolism, I hope you can also see the significance at the same time because it's so important. Why, why should we be ones pre preoccupied with moving from the stands to the field? Because it's going to be better for us. See, the world's seeking happiness, 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 because I'm happy, you know, and everybody, and I'm all for being happy too, but really what continually feeds and fuels happiness is significance. So all the changes that we made, for example, to connect, it's not about moving people from the street just to the seat. It's moving people from the street to the seat to a place of significance where they're doing something that matters. That's what brings satisfaction. That's what makes life worth living. That's what makes you spring out of bed instead of just pull the covers over your head. Amen? 
And so God wants that for us. He wants that big time for us. And it's, it's, just, it's just more a phrase that I adopted years ago. It's more fun to play the game than to watch from the sidelines. My son and I went to a BC basketball game years ago, and somebody in this church blessed us with some tickets, I think, um, whatever, through some connections. And we get there. We had no idea, but they were right down on the floor. Remember, we get there. We're looking at each other like my son was just, he's a basketball fanatic. And we were just stoked. And we watched the game, and it was awesome. <clears throat> we could practically reach out and touch the players. They were jumongous. And um, you get to hear all the, <laughs> you know, you get to hear all the chatter and stuff like that. But there came a certain point in the game where we were looking at each other and we were talking and we were just saying, you know what, this is fun. But nothing would be funner than actually being able to play on that court right there. And that same paradigm is what God meant for it to be like in the body and in the church of Jesus Christ. But a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's because we don't understand the motivation for ministry, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. Sometimes we don't see that we give because we've been given so much to begin with. Sometimes we don't see some of the secrets because man coupled with ministry has kind of messed things up. And I hope we can have a pure move of God and we can see ministry the way God wants it to be done. And I think churches that are healthy can figure that out and we can do more uh, by giving more in the process. But Paul was talking to this, this church in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is the primary text today. It's in your notes, and I'll probably throw in a bunch of bonus texts, but bef- let me just set the stage. He, he was talking to the, to the Corinthians here, and he was talking about giving, primarily about giving here. And basically, these Corinthians were saying, okay, we're getting ready to step on the field, Paul, um, to some impoverished members of the church in Jerusalem. So they're getting ready to kind of bring an offering, and Paul was going there to collect it, and he's pretty excited about about doing so. And these particular believers were much like, they they kind of like us in Metro West Boston. They're kind of like us here at Connect. They They were freshly redeemed Christians. They were newbies. Okay, and so a lot of them were excited, you know, they love to worship, and they, they love certain things about that, 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 that related to Christianity, but there's a bunch of stuff they just didn't know, and so Paul was kind of unpacking some important things for them so they could understand it, because they were living in a culture of, um, of materialism. They were, they were uh, privy to and experiencing a lot of the monster of more, 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 you know, me, 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 you know, gimme, 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 gimme. My name is Jimmy. You know, there was a lot of that. It was the mecca, if you're tracking with me, of materialism, which is what we live in too. So there's a lot of connections here that we can take from 2 Corinthians 9 then and apply it to our situation and circumstances now. Are you here out there? So I want you to know before you leave today what generosity is really all about because that's how to really get in the game, to see the wins that God wants us to see, it has to be Uh, propelled uh, by generosity. So what is generosity all about? Number one, write this down. It's about impact. Impact. A lot of times you hear sportscasters. um, There's certain shows that I like to watch um, at certain times because I can't keep up with all the sports events, so I watch sports shows uh, so that I can kind of keep up with what's going on. I'm kind of, and I got things on my phone, and I just, because I like to be able to talk to my friends, know what I'm talking about, not not look like a doofus. You know what I'm saying? So some sports I inherently enjoy and will invest in. I watched the Celtics, you know, last night. That wasn't so good. But other, other sports I kind of have to get the download real quick, get the DL real quick. And, and uh, 
Uh, but a lot of times in those, those sporting events and those situations, you hear the guys talking about so-and-so was an impact player, you know, and they always have some kind of radio voice behind it, impact player. And so I want to talk to you about impact player in just a minute, but look at 2 Corinthians 9.2 in your notes. It says, for I know your eagerness to help. Paul's talking to the church here, and he says, and I've been boasting about it to these other guys, the Macedonians. And these guys, basically, they weren't so well off, but yet they were known for being very, very generous. He says, I've been boasting about it, telling them that since last year in Achaia, you were ready to give, you committed to give, and this is what happened. Your enthusiasm, look at the emotion and motivation, your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Remember that word most, we'll come back to that. So this whole impact situation, impact player, what does that mean in sports? What does that mean in the church of Jesus Christ? It it's basically means you're using your abilities, you're using your talent, you're using your resources, your commitments to take not just you, but the whole team to another level. That's what an impact player is. They're not just about them. They actually make the team better in the process. They take the whole team, if you need to connect, another person will explain this to you, to an HNL, okay? They'll take you to that to that that next level. And so we know this in Christianity. Some of you could probably finish the sentence, but God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. blessing. Genesis chapter 12. Yes. And so he wants you to kind of listen to him on how do you do that? He wants you to be strategic about your role as a player. A lot of times we realize we have a lane to run. We have a role to play. We have a position in the economy of God, but we're kind of, um, uh, you know, led by every, you know, need in every situation, and we're pulled in every different types of directions by the wind, and so we're just kind of sometimes with our finances, we're just scattering our seed, sometimes with our, with our time and our commitments and our talent and our touch, sometimes we're just kind of all over the place, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and we're not really having the impact because we haven't sowed like a farmer does in rows, are you picturing what I'm picturing? It's strategic. We're not putting our time in primarily. I'm not saying we can't do ministry in other locations, but all of us need an immediate location. I, I use family as, an, as, a, as the language to describe this. I have extended family. My, my, my brother-in-law and sister have a church in, in, in Sutton, Massachusetts. They're my family. They're my blood. All right? But we, we only see each other just so much. And so, because my immediate family, spiritually, is right here. Now, do I like to visit Lifesong? Do I like to go to other places from time to time and do this? Yes, but I'm, to be an impact player, I have to be strategic with my seed. I have to be strategic with my time. I have to be strategic with my... T- All you guys are looking at me like a cow to Newgate. Is everybody tracking with me out there? <laughs> is everybody with me? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? So, to be an impact player, God wants us to learn how to be strategic, But everything starts, again, with generosity. Everything begins with that. One of the frequently asked questions I sometimes get as a pastor, but sometimes even as a parent, is how do I protect myself from this, this, the the God of more? You know, this mammon God, this, uh, there's like three big gods in the world today. They've been there since the beginning. Possessionism, power, pleasure. But how do I overcome this, this mammon monster, this possession monster, where, where, where it's okay to have things, but they, are, they're, they're ha- they have me. They're controlling me. No, they don't. Okay, we'll try to get rid of one of them. Let go of one of them. Give one of them. 
Well, or as my daughter Mallory would say, well. But let's, let's just, just face it that when it comes to trying to train those things, like take it with your kids as parents. I don't want my kids to, 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 to be overcome by all this stuff where they just always want more, 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 more. You know, and, and what do I do about that? Because you, you guys, how many, how many are parents out there? Parents? Okay, so you know there's a certain phase of your life where your, parent, your kids come to you. Basically, you are a human ATM machine, yeah. right? And you can tell by the tone of their voice, Dad, cha-ching. You might as well just have the cha-ching in the background because they're speaking nicely to you, and they're, they're, they're on, you know they're on the way out the door. You know, they're all dressed up and all dolled up. My girls in particular do this a lot. They're all dolled up. Hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. You know, and I can just hear it, cha-ching, ching, you know, do you have any, you know, they're already carrying my wallet, you know what I mean, here, let me, hey, dad, did you lose this? <laughs> let me help you. <laughs> but what do we do about this, this, this kind of monster and more? Well, one thing you can do is you can take your kids on a mission trip, that'll blow their mind and alter their whole reality, I highly recommend that. And I, we've done that with all of our kids, and it's been so healthy for them. But what do you do in the day-to-day? So let me give you a couple things, different angle on this whole generosity. What does generosity look like? Here's what I do as a Christian. Here's what we can do as parents is teach people, teach ourselves, give stuff away. Everybody say give away. I think that if you want, you know, to have, uh, don't, give, don't, give, don't give stuff that doesn't matter to you away too, by the way. God wants us to live with an open heart, you know, and an open hand. So that he can pour out an open heaven. That's what he wants to do. An open heart, open hand, so he can pour out an open heaven. There's a connection between all those things. And I think we have to model that as a church for people who don't go to church. I think church people should be known as the most generous people. We should be the best tippers in Jesus' name. Amen? Some of you need to amen a little better than that because you got a problem. Yeah. Tipping, we should be known for that. Don't be cheap. It's a little thing that can make a big difference. I could go on off, off on that, but I won't. But if, if I, if, if here's what happens if you don't, if you're not giving stuff away, then, then take it all the way to its furthest extreme. You're gonna think that everything you have, you got, you did it. I'm a self made man. No, you're not. No, you're not. And I don't have time to do all the Bible on this, but the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible tells us, you know, that it is he who gave thee the power to get wealth. Colossians tells us that we were created by him, for him. 1 Corinthians 6 says to bring honor to him. Chronicles tells us that basically everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God. Everything was dispersed by God. It's all his. You ain't that great. You ain't that smart. You know, your mama won't tell you that like Pastor Dan said, but I will, you know. So we got to learn to give stuff away. In fact, why don't you stand to your feet? Let's have, a little, let's have a little generosity exercise. Don't be afraid. Come on. Don't be afraid. It'll be fun. I promise. I promise. I promise. I want you to think about something. I don't care what it is. This can be very, very small. can seem insignificant that you can give away to somebody right in your area. Everybody gives something away. If you don't have something to give away, we have ushers that are going to give you stuff to give away right now. Ready, set, Go, okay? Everybody give stuff away, okay? Have fun. <laughs> Josh, here, go give that away. Here, give that away. Oh, oh, hat, nice. You want some mints? I got some mints I can give away. You got stuff? 
Oh, oh. No, 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 you don't. You keep that. That's nice. Let me get some mints away. There you go. Got some mints you can give away. Somebody needs one. Promise you. Go give it to them. Alright, make it snappy. What's up, player? Was that fun? Come on, everybody. Find a seat. Give something away quickly. Quickly. Somebody gave me an ATM card last, last service. I'm gonna, we're going out to lunch every day this week. What's up, player? <laughs> That's a pretty cool hat, I gotta say. So you gotta give stuff away, right? Makes you feel good, doesn't it? At Connect, we give lots of stuff away. One of the times, oftentimes, I talk to other churches when we get an opportunity to coach them and encourage them to give stuff away at church um, because it creates a culture of generosity. You know, we have, we'll have these probably next week. We're going to have these kind of uh, random acts of kindness cards, or we call them pay-it-forward cards. We like to introduce those during the holidays because I want to encourage you guys to make an impact wherever you are. Like, go through the Chick-fil-A. Come on, Chick-fil-A, everybody. <laughs> oh, the owner, he loves me now because I tell him every Sunday we say something about you, man, every Sunday. How many have been at Chick-fil-A? Been at Chick-fil-A in Westboro. Okay, awesome. Anyway. Um, go through that Chick-fil-A drive-thru and pay for somebody's meal behind you. And then just say, hey, can you hand them this pay-it-forward card? And so we'll have those next week so we can just encourage this culture of generosity. It just, it, sh it tells people that God's thinking about them. It tells people that God loves you. But it's doing something through you and in you when you do that. It should be a habit. It should be more, less an action and more an attitude as we go forward. If you think about it... Um, your litmus test, whether you're, whether you're generous or not, sometimes is, is, it could be stated like this. There should be nothing that if God is the owner and you are the manager that you're not willing to let go of. Nothing. Your house, I'll pull it all the way out to the furthest for some of us. Your vacation home, your boat, your bike. I'm touching some nerves with some people. Your Gucci bag, whatever, your nice watch, your just whatever those things are. If you couldn't let go of that, then there's a generosity issue in you. Again, it's more of an attitude. Here's the next thing you can do is you can develop the art of appreciation. Everybody say appreciation. So when you see somebody with a nice watch, you know, you don't go, where did he get that? You know what I mean? I bet, he, I bet, you know, I bet he's got a big credit card bill with that bad boy, you know, and you kind of scam him up and down. No, we should be... It's like somebody driving in with a nice car, you know, man. Wouldn't want that payment. I hope he, I hope he chokes on it. That's what some people are thinking. I had a guy in the last service say, he goes, I got to be honest with you, Pat. As he told me right now, he goes, I don't like rich people. Because I don't like rich people. That was very challenging for me. So I'm, I'm not playing. We think stuff like this. But we need to, to, to deal with that that monster of more, we got to back up and deal with some of the spirit of envy, the spirit of jealousy. How do we do that? We have to celebrate other people's successes. Yeah. You know, thank you, God, that you bless them with that Maserati. God bless them. <laughs> Take a picture, post it on Instagram. <laughs> you must not think I'm ready to be blessed, Lord, so I celebrate 
I celebrate that, you know. Because why? Because we got to be careful that our goods don't become our gods. Our goods can become our gods. And God is okay with us having other loves. He just doesn't want them to be above our love for him. And so don't play that game of keeping up with the Joneses. They're getting ahead of me. Ahead of what? They have more than me. More of what? Perishable things that we can't take with us. You know, I had to have a major perspective adjustment one time when we were living on the street, and I've told this story before, and we lived in a 1,000-square-foot, two-family condo with four kids. Some of you are like, good God. <laughs> yep, and we had 20 intercessors praying for us round the clock. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it's all perspective. I can remember one day, you know, my daughter Mallory, she's in the bathroom, and we have one bathroom, and I need to use the bathroom. And she's got Barbie dolls, you know, all up and down this, this floor. I said, Mallory, what are you doing here? She says, Daddy, there's no place to play. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, that's it, that's it, that's it. I'm, I don't care what it takes. I'm getting out of this house. So-and-so's got a house, and so-and-so's got a house, and it's just not right. And what's up? <laughs> smite me, almighty smiter. You know what I mean? I was mad at God. You know, and, you know and, and God had to change my perspective, and he did, and we got the right heart about it, and God blessed us with a home, and we moved into a home three, four times the size of that home in terms of square footage, and we moved in, and our kids slept in the same room for like a month, and I'm going, why did I do this? They all want to be together anyway, and then I look back now, and I think, knowing what I know against the backdrop of the, uh, you know, the contrast against the rest of the world and other cultures, that when I lived in that house, I was blessed more than most people on the entire planet. Most of you put in another position are a millionaire. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've got change in the little ashtray in your car, you're one of the richest people in the world. Hello. Why, 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 what happens? Because we become competitive and we become materialistic and, and we just kind of, guys and girls, I'm going to throw the guys in there too because I'm guilty of this sometimes. You shop till you drop and you drip and drain every dime. And this is a really good message before Christmas time. <laughs> it's a precursor to the spending mayhem that is about to take place, but we get crippled by this enemy of more. 2 Corinthians 9, 2 says, and your enthusiasm has stirred most, everybody say most, that means not all of them. You know why? Because some of them are miserable. Some of them are miserly and therefore miserable. Inside the word miserable is the word miser, and misers are miserable. So generous people are always the happiest people. They're always happy, tremendously happy people. Money and possessions, listen, it's a huge theme in the Bible. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Number two, it's about trust. Everybody say trust. trust. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, remember this. He's, this is my words. Keep this in your frontal lobes. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Most people preach and talk about the sowing part. I want to talk about the sparing part. There was this popular sports show when I was in college uh, I went to college in Oklahoma. We, we listened to a fa uh, very well-known radio program that came out of Dallas. It was called The Ticket. Everybody say The Ticket. And The Ticket was, was a very cool show, and it affected actually the floor that I lived on because The Ticket had its own language. They would have these words that they made up and used, and everybody wanted to learn the, uh, all about the dictionary. So the ticket had its own dictionary. And one of the words that they used to describe uh, players 
that were, were destined to be great but didn't reach their full potential, they, they pulled up lame, they called those people a spare, a spare. They were a spare. A spare was a player who's a person who doesn't live up to their greatness. And basically, a person who doesn't sow uh, generously but sows sparingly does not live up to their full potential. Because we were created not to be containers but conduits. We were created for things to go in us and out of us. And so people that are blessed are people that let it come in and continue to go out. Come in and continue to go out. Is everybody out there? Are you, are you tracking with me? But sometimes we only offer God just a little smidge of this and a little smidge of that. I was thinking about this with the, with the subject of coffee. How many coffee lovers, heavenly nectar people out there? Okay. All right. Some of y'all, <laughs> some of y'all, you can't get through a day. Deej is in the back with two hands. He's worshiping. It's like praying in the spirit. Um, but Deej actually introduced me to, I used to call them expressos because I didn't even know what it was. It's an espresso. I just feel uncomfortable saying that word, espresso, but uh, just don't feel masculine. You know what I'm saying? So I'd say espresso. You know what I mean? But anyway, espresso. Um, but it's espresso. So I remember, you know, a long time ago having an espresso with a bagel, and, and, and I'm like, as soon as I drank that thing. Now, it did affect me a little bit. Of course, I'm pretty high energy and high voltage anyway. <laughs> But I, <laughs> I had one of those. But the, the first thing I thought when I was done, like, this didn't satisfy. I mean, give me 10 more. They're like, no. <laughs> you know? Can you imagine if I had 10 espressos? It would be scary. But it just kind of left you kind of wanting more, thirsty. It just it didn't satisfy. It wasn't enough. And sometimes we do that with our giving. It's just a little espresso. Just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. There's nothing about it that really fulfills because it's just, it's just a little tidbit. It's just a little, it's just a little pinky touch. We don't really go all in. People that are generous are all in. They're holding on to nothing. They're not living that spare, sparing life. They're not living that espresso life. They're serious about giving. Here's four types of givers. Look at this in your notes. Four types of givers. There's those who do nothing. Those who do nothing. It's obvious. Now, my position is this. I don't brow people, browbeat people, beat people up, make people feel bad who do nothing. I believe they're doing nothing, not because they don't want to give, they just can't. They're in bondage. They're servant to the lender. They're in some type of financial slavery. Another group is those who do it out of a grudging obligation. So there's the do nothing, then there's the grudging obligation group. These are kind of hit or miss people, usually. They do it when they have it and don't when they don't. These people are not uh, in bondage. They're in deception. They're, they don't see the big picture on it. They don't see the big picture on it. They don't see the secret sauce of it all. They're, they're, they think sometimes they're okay this way, but they're really not. Then the, the third group is those who do it out of obedience. Everybody say obedience. These are the committed givers. Many in the church, in this particular church, are committed in that respect. It, it's, in other words, it's just settled. For like Stacey and I, it's settled. We've been doing it for 23 years. Committed tithers, committed givers. It's, it's like me and working out. I, just, I work out five, six days a week. It, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't want to do it, but I do it. I do it. And it, why do I do it? Because it's harder to start over again. That's why. It's harder to start over again. People who are in this group giving, they're under protection. So some are under bondage, some are under deception. This group is under protection. And then the fourth group, the highest level, those who do it excitedly and extravagantly, this is the highest level of giving. This is when giving is just plain fun. It's really quiet when I talk about this, but uh, these, 
these people are under God's favor. Now, many people don't come to this place. I actually teach in three levels of giving. In fact, last year, went against what, what counsel would be from, from sometimes outside fundraising organizations. They basically said, hey, uh, I said to them, I'm going to teach what the Bible says first, which is teach people to give the first fruits of their, of their uh, increase, to teach them to tithe. And then the next level of giving after tithing is offerings. And then above that is sacrificial giving. I don't want people to rob God when he says, return to him what is his, the tenth, and then tell them to take that money and put it over here in this campaign. I said, no, if people will tithe, they always are able to bring offerings, and eventually they'll be able to bring a sacrificial or extravagant or even cheerful and hilarious gift to God. Some people are excited about this point, and some people are just don't know what to think about what I just said. What I'm saying is some people just want to get the money for the campaign to do whatever they want to do. I was willing to sacrifice the success of the campaign and this project if, if it would keep people from obeying God and doing what he already told them to do. Does that make sense? Amen. So it's more important to me. And as a result, those people were blessed. They didn't go backwards. They went forwards. And God's provided for us on the other side. Because it works. The generous life works. And the highest level is this extravagant level of giving. <laughs> it's so quiet. Well, you know why it's so quiet? It's because, because, listen, I'm going to make it real. Because this little Leather temple is what has us preoccupied. God is, God is interested in our preoccupation, what we think about, what we're preoccupied with all the time. We, men think about money more than sex. That's saying something. <laughs> Profound. So this little leather temple, we, we, we may not be happy with it. I wish it was fatter. You know, it's, oh, and, we, and we're kind of Tommy boy. We like, we rub it and we poke at it. Oh, naughty boy, you get too much money when outside the other places. Where did it go? You know, and why did you keep charging it and charging it like that? That was so naughty, so stupid. And then we... It, it destroys us. Some of you got to go pull up Tommy Boy, and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Such a naughty boy. <laughs> if I said to you, everybody can stand up and hand your purse and hand your wallet and hand your checkbook to the other person, you'd be like, uh-uh. <laughs> so you say, I don't worship that. Well, you probably wouldn't do that. And if you did, I'd say, all right, now haul back and give the biggest offering you ever could. Everybody write a big fat check. We'd have so much fun because it'd be somebody else's money. We'd be like, yeah. You know? But God is trying to say, that's how it really is. It's not your money. And he, the same freedom that you would have if you had somebody else's wallet and you could just go ahead and give it all is the same freedom, level of freedom he wants you to have with the wallet that's in your pocket right now. Right now. Right now. That's what it, that generous blessing that he wants you to have. Sowing with a willing heart prepares us to have what we need, everything that we need for him and from him. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, and this is bonus. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, you'll be made rich in every way. What does that mean? I'm not totally sure what it means in every single way, but it does clearly communicate there's a return in multiple areas, and, 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 and it's always going to be more than you invested in the first place. 
so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What will happen when you're generous? You're going you're gonna to haul back, and you're going to go, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity. Thank you that I got to pour into Connect Community Church vision last year. Thank you, Lord God, for the, for the investment into the vision you know, that God has called me to. Thank you, Lord God, for being able to you know, provide food in your storehouse so that nobody is without a meal. The facts are, science says this, that people who are generous are richer. Some of the, I just did a study last night until pretty late, and I was studying some of the richest people in the world in all of history, but also in recent years. And the rich, some of the richest people in the world give away up to 50% of their income. They just keep getting more. What's that phrase, Dad? The more they, the more they gave, the more they had. Remember that phrase, Dad? The more he gave, the more he had. That's right. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. But science says this. Listen to this. I read this. Science says they have physical changes to the brain of euphoria and emotional stability greater than those who don't. The number one symptom of a generous person, this is my personal belief, is not just provision, but peace. Peace. You sleep well. You have peace. That's what this is saying. Science says this. It's apparent that they are more magnetic in relationships. It's been documented that generous people have more opportunities. The same can be said about generous nations. They've studied generous nations currently. Right now, the United States is the most generous nation in the world. It hasn't always been, by the way, which was kind of interesting to me. But they are more blessed. In essence, there's this domino effect when we are generous. That's science. Now listen, the Bible says this. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. You give, you get even more. Are you getting blessed by this? All right, I'm going to move on. Number three, it's about the heart. Everybody say the heart. <laughs> Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, or we could say in the Greek, hilarious giver. Now, a lot of people take this particular verse, Christians who've been in the faith a long time, that are not givers. This is what they say. That verse says, I'm supposed to decide what I've, I have to decide and determine what's in my heart to give. So they do what we sometimes call eisegesis. They take one verse and they built a belief system around that one verse. If you put that verse in the rest of the chapter, in the context of 2 Corinthians, against the counsel of all the scriptures, it is not saying that you don't give if you don't feel it in your heart. It's God is always looking for your heart to be willing. What he wants is you to give from your heart, but he doesn't not want you to give. He wants you to give cheerfully. He wants you to give willingly, as it says in other places and other parts of Scripture. God is always looking for something that comes from your heart. When we give from our goods and our resources, it should be fun. That's the goal. Just like if you had somebody else's wallet and you had the freedom to give from it. Your parents' checkbook. Hey, kids, here's a blank check. Go do whatever you want with it. Give as much as you want. That same Fun factor is where God wants to take us as believers in Christ. Th th this whole idea of trying to get something from us is not what God's trying to do. He's trying to change us. That's why we don't even take an offering here at Connect and haven't for many, many years because we want people, we don't pass a plate, not because we think it's wrong. I'm not saying we'll never do it. I'm just saying this is how God led us to do that because I want people to do it from their heart. I want them to be willing. I want them to be cheerful about it. But if you're having to react and kind of respond to some video or some, some appeal or some kind of tough scripture, and at the end of this message, I'm going to take a big offering and that kind of thing, that's really not training you and discipling you and really conditioning your heart. 
It's impulsive and it's reactive and it's not proactive and predetermined. So we teach you to come with your offering and to come with your sacrificial gift and to come with your tithe, prepared and ready. Does that make sense? But what are we to give? We're to give our time. What does giving look like? It looks like if you're generous, you should be giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. If you're giving and you're generous, this is what it should look like. Where are we to give first? Well, the Bible's clear about this. This isn't me saying this, it's just the Bible, but you should give to God's church first. So the first level of giving is the tithe. The tithe belongs to God in the house, the, the place where his name abides, in the local church. There's Old Testament and New Testament for this. I didn't say it, he said it. If you think I'm trying to get something from you, go to another church, but please tithe there. Please tithe there. But that's where it starts. How are we to give? Consistently, proportionately, and I believe cheerfully. Cheerfully. Look at the scripture from 1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of the week, there's the consistency. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. There's the proportionate or percentage giving. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. That should be the goal. The goal should be there's enough there if we're all obedient to God's word where there is no need. But this is all about equal, equal gifts. Not so much equal gifts, excuse me, but equal sacrifice. The, the, the King David said this. He said, I'll not give you anything, Lord, that didn't cost me anything. So there's that, there's that, there's that giving attitude. and changes everything when we do that. Uh, you know this scripture, Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I think there's a direct connection between our heart and our wallet. And what makes that connection um, um, ordered by God, because he's really not interested in amounts. He's interested in priority. Being first, he's, he's interested in that, is making sure that we are generous on a routine and regular basis. Now, I'm not going to read some of those other scriptures to you, but I'll, I'll say these last things for those of you who are note takers, okay? Practical reasons for giving. Here's why I like to give. Because I like myself when I give. I like myself when I give. It just feels good doing it. It's a fact. You'll be happier. When, when in the summertime, I always see these girls in our neighborhood and they sell lemonade, the little Dixie cup lemonade cups, you know what I mean? Where the price point is like 300%, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, you know, 50 cents for this little, you know, little bit of water and they pour their cup and their thumbs in it while they're pouring it, you know what I mean? You're going to love this lemonade, you know? And then, you, you know, it's like 50 cents, but all you got is a buck and they can't make change and, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. So, but, but I've done that, and, and, and instead of looking back in my rearview mirror saying, you know what, what are those kids doing, you know, just kind of blowing by them, how much funner is it to look back in my mirror and see, you know, I gave them a buck, they got 100% profit on their cost on top of their 300% price point, you know, and, and all it and I, came, I went home and poured it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I got to look in my rearview mirror and watch them go, because I'm happy, you know, and they're just freaking out with that. With that one dollar, it's fun to give. It's a blessing to give. I feel better when I give. Here's another thing is God instructs me to do it, as I've said already. Giving positions us for God's blessing. There's so much about this. But I think God, 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 God takes what you have and blesses it. We've seen that with our kids where they don't get sick. We've seen it where things last longer. I actually bought a car and five years later sold it for the same price. I mean, that's like, that's blessing. And that can only attribute to being a giver. Giving stirs others to action. When you're a giver, it stirs other people to give. Giving is an investment 
in eternity. We've heard the phrase before. I've never seen a U-Haul. I've never seen a hearse, excuse me, pulling a U-Haul. In other words, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. There's things that you can't take with you, but you can send it on ahead. When you give and you give to eternal things, God blesses you in the here and he blesses you in the now. Amen? Amen. Can you guys stand on your feet and let me pray for you? I hope that you go away with the attitude of gratitude. You go away thinking, how can I be a, a, a radical giver for God here, there, everywhere? God wants to, you to be a giver. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you with every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, just honor, no stirring, no shuffling. Just be still for a minute, just one minute. John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave. He's a giver. You were born, in my opinion, Scripture confirms, you were born selfish, but you were born again to be generous. You were born again to be like God, a giver. Fragrant offering was Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 from the message says, "What? watch what God does, and then you do it. You do just like him, like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not a cautious one, but extravagant. He did not love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Children, love like that. I pray in Jesus' name for every person that here that's here within the sound of my voice, that's listening online or whatever, that, God, you would, you, would, you would pour into us the awareness. You've already poured into us everything, but pour into us a greater awareness that we were created to give away what God has given us. We are here to not just breathe it in, but to breathe it out. And I pray that we do that with our time with our talents and with our treasure. And would you bless every person that does this as we follow Team Captain Jesus Christ who said, the things I did for you, you go and do likewise. I pray that we do that, knowing that as it says in the last part of John 13, we'll be blessed if we do them. We'll be happy if we do them. I pray, Lord, that we see the secret that this whole thing is in giving. Now, if there's a person here that has never given their life to Christ and they want to give their life to Christ today, it would seem, it would seem I would feel like I've made a mistake. I'd be remiss if I didn't give somebody an opportunity to make that that connection with God. I was going to say formal, but it really, it's a relational connection. It's not through religion, formality, but it is, it is, it is uh, through your free will. You choose to follow him because God wants to pour in his love for you. That's the motivation for wanting to be like this in the first place. We love because he first loved us, but maybe you've never experienced that first love. Maybe you've never encountered that love of God. He wants to encounter you, and he might have designed all of this. He might have orchestrated all of this for you to be able to have that opportunity to connect with him personally. And if he's speaking to you, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right there in your seat, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand boldly and say, I want to meet Jesus personally today before I leave, and I want you to pray with me, Pastor. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor. God bless you. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Good and high so I can see your hand. I don't want to miss anybody. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, would you just pray this with me? Those of you that raise your hand, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. Right here, right now. I give my life to you. I thank you that you gave for me. I receive your grace. You gave me exactly what I need but didn't deserve. And I receive it right now. And I pray that that grace motivate me, inspire me to do the same for others. In Jesus' precious name. 
And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you. Thank you. I'm out of here. Peace.